welcome back to Grit I Campbell, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nawara. After a 1-3-1 and record in Week 10 of the NFL season, we are currently 22-23-5 and in the Las Vegas Super Contest. Tied for 1900th and 98th place, no longer in the top 50 percentile. And for the first time this season, we are under 500. Sad panda. Mo, however, is in a very warm place. He's outside of the great United States in the Bahamas on the island of Nassau. Mo, how are you doing? How is Bahamar? Well, I'd be better if we could pick a winner. I just sat by the beach for half an hour, zenned out, and imagined myself not sucking at this. Speak for yourself, man. Yes. I picked the winner. DP, the only member of the collective to submit a top five card with winners, three and two on the week. I was next at two, two, and one. <laughs> it's just amazing. Then it was Mo at one, three, and one, and then Bert Minotti. One and four, a tough four-week stretch for our good buddy Minotti the last four weeks. After touting that his top five has been good, he's just been getting unlucky with his top top pick. Last four weeks, he is five and 14. And for that top pick, one and seven on picks that go on the card. Not good. Not good at all. Mo, when you envision, I think he might have just given up. I mean, that Saints pick—if he hasn't given up before, he's definitely going to give up now. We might, we might have to kick him out. <laughs> he's the disciple, though. It's your job to shepherd him to the promised land. What's going on, Mo? I don't know. I think his spirit might be broken for sure at this point. We well, need to do something to lift him up. We need to send him some IPAs. Well, maybe his his Buffalo Bills finding. Joe Montana off the scrap heat. Matt Barkley, the absolute greatest of all time. Maybe that'll get Bert's hopes up. Speaking of personal teams and getting your hopes up, DP before the season was telling us that this is the year the dynasty ends. The Patriots will not get to 11 wins. They've been absolutely cruising until they visited Tennessee this weekend where there were massive six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Titans. The Titans no longer have M&Ms for brains at the head coaching position. Now they have Mike Vrabel, all-around Patriots legend, linebacker, tight end, what have you, and he absolutely destroyed the Patriots. 35-10 was the final. DP's two-pizza money bet line comes through. My pizza count is skyrocketing with DP. And we'll start with you, Mr. Peters. Your Patriots go down. They get shellacked. Tom Brady looks old. What you got on this game, kiddo? Yeah, I mean, this game played out kind of like I thought it would. Um, I, I, I say kind of because I didn't anticipate the score would be as bad as it was. I mean, 34 to 10 in favor of the Titans. Um, I did not see that coming. I Definitely thought the Titans could win. I thought it would be a much uh, closer affair. It seemed like Mike Vrabel had his team ready to go with how you need to attack Tom Brady, and that is you send your rushers up the middle. You try and you know make the middle of that pocket 
to, you know, really hard for Tom Brady to step up in and see all of his receivers. And that's how you get after it. We saw that a couple a couple years ago when the Texans uh, came into Foxborough during the playoffs and did that, um, gave them a very tough game. And I think you saw that here. Um, that's how you have to get after Tom Brady. You can't get after him by either playing zone or just bringing a crazy blitz like the Steelers always try and do, or even just bringing uh, edge rushers because he's just going to step up in the pocket and find his receivers. He wasn't able to to get it done. I mean, to me, this game is pretty much on him. I mean, he looked like total ass out there. Um, I mean, I, I know Rich, you'll say he looks like ass for the last 12 years but you know i listen in my world he looks great every week this week he did not look great at all titans got to him obviously a bunch of revenge games on the other side logan ryan malcolm butler Dion lewis who had a bunch of choice words after the fact so and also just overall patriots on the road not good this year i mean they just don't look good when they go on the road it's going to be interesting they do have the bye week coming up but then they do uh they have to go to the jets they get the vikings at home and then they have two road games with the dolphins and the sealers so Three out of four road games coming up for them could be some spots where we look to jump on them, depending on where the lines lie and the market goes. Well, the Jets and Dolphins are just god awful, so no, no real worries yeah, there. But, but Dol- or, sorry, Patriots going into Miami is never easy, never, never easy. Yeah, that's you know, listen. I'll give you the Jets, but the <laughs> Dolphins when they go down there for whatever reason, they just you know decide to do stupid things and lose games. 254 yards for Brady on 41 attempts, 6.1 yards per attempt, no bueno. And for the offense as a whole, a putrid 4.4 yards per attempt. Mo, we've been banging the this Patriots offense is puke drum for a while now. And it's good to see a game like this where the world can at least see some of what you and I have been seeing for an Olympic cycle now. Yeah, I was really worried about um I mean what I said was my fear was a rookie coach here with little time to prepare, but man, what the hell? He just coached circles around the Patriots, everything. I was so disappointed in Belichick. I mean, I told you guys in the thread when he punted on fourth and four in Titans territory in the fourth, I was just blown away. That was so bad. I don't even know how to react to that. Is that Belichick just kind of, I don't know, playing mind games or something? Like, I, this is so stupid and so narrative-driven, but you guys don't even deserve to compete for this game, so we're just punting? Is that a, is that even yeah. a possibility? Yes, same reason why he put Brian Hoyer in like, with like eight minutes left in the game. Just get out of here. Just punishment for not playing well. And then, of course, there was the post-game presser when they asked Bill Belichick whether or not he thought Tom played well, and he said, well, you're going to have to ask Tom. <laughs> So good. They hate each other. It's amazing. This it's Donnie. They absolutely hate each other. Donnie. Absolutely hate each other. But here's the thing: other than brain dead guys like Teddy Bruschi, is there anybody Teddy Bruschi, the ultimate? The guy can't formulate his own thought. He's just militaristic. You tell me what to do. I'll do exactly what you do. Anybody that can form an original thought has anybody enjoyed playing for the New England Patriots? Um, they can't. can't. I'm trying to think of something. There has to be someone. Come on, man. No, I don't see how not be like Julian Edelman. Can't form an original thought. Loves playing for the Patriots. I mean, okay, I think that's a stretch on the can't form an original (laughs) thought with Julian Edelman. But I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. He's a dope. Have you ever? Has that guy ever opened his mouth 
and said something half intelligible. I feel like he has, yeah. No, stop it. Yeah. He's just concussed on the field. That's one of the greatest <laughs> sound effects of all time. Was... Uh, Devin McCourty enjoys playing for the Patriots. He's yeah. like yeah, another son. Of... I'll give him that. He so, might be the only one. But it's got to be so miserable to play for that guy. It's just the I mean, it's funny. Everyone seems to, when they leave there, they, you know, not a lot of people do talk crap on them for whatever reason, but you get you get the sense, you know, you get the sense every now and then either people won't talk about it or they dump on them or, you know, that sort of stuff. And the payment thing is obvious. There, there is no franchise as frugal as New England. And, I mean, g- good on them. They don't need to pay Deion Lewis when they can put something James White back there and get the same kind of production. I mean, hell, you mean Cordero Cordero Patterson. Patterson. Yeah. Why would you ever pay Deion Lewis, who's a fine player? I actually... I've, I've said on his podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, hold on. I think that might actually, Deion Lewis might actually be a difference maker. Stop it. There's no such thing at running back. It's just a non-existent principle. See, I would have probably paid Deion Lewis because I think it's only like four and a half million dollars But what a is year. the difference? James White is going to, James White is on okay. pace for like 1,500 total yards. Hold on. You. I'm totally with you. I, what I'm going to say is I would have paid Deion Lewis instead of drafting a running back in the first round is what I would have done. That's that's fair. what I would have done. That's fair. Like you drafting a why you draft where the hell is Tony Michelle? I I can't really speak to who they used that money on. Did like did they patch up? I know I know they brought in uh getting five million dollars a year and so is Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen. I think he's caught one ball all year. Well, how much? blocking is he doing that I, oh I yeah can't speak awesome to. great sweet well you need the block for brady he literally can't move cool then if, get another if, uh, if you, offensive lineman if you there. if you don't max protect for brady you're dead because that guy can't move back there they uh they drafted a running back in the first round and belichick punted on that fourth <laughs> down he might be starting to slip i'm telling you my no, mom is gonna shred that- this team in the playoffs I think that punting on fourth down was similar to a couple of years ago. They they went for it on fourth and two against the Indianapolis Colts, and that was because Bill Belichick didn't trust his defense. I think Bill Belichick was just like, screw this. The offense sucks today. Brady sucks today. We're punting. Is that like I, Bill is does? That that. Like when, is that like when Kobe uh, stops shooting and just doesn't want doesn't want to <laughs> yeah, win anymore I'm because not, he's mad? I'm not going to contribute to the offense anymore. You guys pissed me off. Uh, hey, you got to go and ask Tom. Are are they really going to hang the Chiefs minus less than a field goal in the playoffs? Is that actually going to happen? Are they actually going to hang Chiefs minus two and a half in Arrowhead? They can't, right? If they do, back up the pizza truck. Oh, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Betting pizza franchises on that one. All right, let's move on to the pick that Mo brought up, and I'll let him lead it off. Saints at Bengals, the Bengals were catching five and a half points, but they needed 55 points <laughs> in order to cover. 51-14 was the final absolute destruction from the Saints. Drew Brees, 22 of 25, three incompletions. That's the amount of touchdowns he threw, three. 10.6 yards per attempt. They absolutely marched up and down the field against the Bengals. Mo, you and I, this was a consensus pick, so we can't fully crap on it, but we were 
definitely the lowest on the Bengals. We had them nowhere near our top five. This was just this was a bad one, Mo. Not 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 good in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, this wasn't a good pick. This was um, Brett clicked on a Bengals team that was already not that good, and then hobbled AF by injuries. And um, yeah, the Saints treated them like a a team that wasn't very good and hobbled AF by injuries. I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever lost a game by fifty against the spread. Um, so congratulations, Brett. And, uh, let's try to do better next week, bud. (laughs) To be fair, it was 37, but yeah, no bueno. Uh, I mean, it's 2018, right? If you're playing the saints, you need to score as many points as possible. And if you don't have AJ green and you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you're going to have trouble scoring points. It's kind of an easy formula. DP, you're more angry about it. The, the thing you're most angry about is why people aren't double teaming Michael Thomas. So I'll give you the platform right now to express your anger on why teams are allowing Michael Thomas to do well. I, I mean, yeah, the, that just, it's not so much anger. It's just, I, I'm just mind blown every week. I'm like, dude, double team that guy. Like, put a second guy on him. Put, you don't even have to put your best corner on him. Put your second best corner on him, bump him at the line, and give him safety, safety help over the top. I mean, it just seems like, Michael Thomas is getting 10 catches, 100 yards, one or two touchdowns every single week, and it's just rinse, repeat, every single week. Is someone going to eventually cover this guy? Listen, I know he's really good. I know Drew Brees is also really good. But it doesn't seem like teams are even trying to combat the fact that they're really good. And it, to me, when I watch Saints games, it's like, okay, if they're not if they're not doing a, a throw to Alvin Kamara or they're not running the ball with either Kamara or Ingram, they're throwing to Michael Thomas. And it happens all the time. Like, like I don't know why people want to get constantly beat up by the same thing over and over and over again. I, if I was coaching the team, I would go into the, that game and say, listen, Michael Thomas and Drew Brees are not going to beat us. I do not care. And they're going to just have to beat me with something else. If that's Alvin Kamara because he's amazing, fine. So be it. If that's Mark Ingram running for 150 yards, whatever. If that's Drew Brees finding Ben Watson, great, sweet. But I'm not letting Michael Thomas just eat on me all day. I'm not letting it happen. Michael Thomas, eight targets, caught all of them for 70 yards and a touchdown. Hard to double Michael Thomas when you have an explosive weapon like Taysom Hill on the outside, though. Oh, yeah, Taysom Hill. <laughs> Stop troll baiting. <clears throat> I agree with Donnie, though. Um. I mean, if they uh, Alvin Kamara is amazing, but if they beat you dumping off to a running back, like just go to the locker room and know that you suck. I mean, at least try to make them think outside the box and not just, huh? First read to my WR one, mm, free ten yards. I mean, come on, Marvin. I mean, if if Marvin's ever gonna get fired, it should have been after that game. That was completely pathetic. The Saints aren't 50 points better than you. I mean, it's a complete train wreck. I'm just, I know I want to dump on Burt, but it's like I get where he was coming from with this pick. And um, I will say, though, I don't, I don't know if letdown games are a thing in pro football. Like, I definitely think it is in college. I just don't know if it's a thing in pro football. What about look-ahead games? That I could maybe see, but I still am a little skeptical. But like letdown games, 
I like. Aren't they just gonna show up? Like, knowing they can't really. Like it's pro football, and if you don't show up, you just lose. You know, we saw that with Bills and Vikings. So like, I don't know. I feel like in college, when these teams are way better than some of their competition, they can be a little more inclined to know that if they don't show up, they're still going to win the game. But it's a little different in this league. Mo, I know you think the Chiefs are the best team in football, but the best team in the NFC, Saints or Rams? I guess Saints. I mean, I really think it's Rams on talent, but I think this might be one of those situations where uh, the Saints have more where it matters the most, which is QB. And uh, yeah, I still am like pretty skeptical. Uh, we all are about golf, so very skeptical. About like Mr. I think golf. he's fine, but I do think in the playoffs, like we said, sneak preview. Melt. The melt is coming. And, I mean, if there's ever a podcast that's anti-QB wins, it's this one. But if you look at Foles' road to the playoffs last year and the quarterbacks they went through, you know, like, <laughs> I don't I for It was Matt Ryan at home, and the Falcons legitimately should have won that game if they could call us, if Sark wasn't hammered and could call a good red zone play. Then it was uh, the Vikings and something Keenum. And then it was cooked Brady on neutral. The Vikings and something Keenum after they came off the biggest miracle in the history of football. Like there's a chance that first of all, like I said, Falcons easily could have won that game if Sark wasn't drunk, but there's also a chance that the saints come into town the next week and just roll over, (laughs) over the Eagles. So, the Saints legitimately could have won the Super Bowl last year. They were easily one of the best teams in the league, without a doubt. And now this could just be their their season to pillage over the NFL and claim the title that they feel like they deserved last year. The, the Eagles, I mean, we're going to get to them in a bit, but them winning the Super Bowl last year, when we look back in 10 years, might be one of the weirdest things of all time. Because I don't know if this team's any good. And I don't know how good they were last year. Very bizarre. DP, I'll poise the same question to you. I'll even add the Chiefs in because I know you, you don't have Moe's Casey bias. Best team in the league. Chiefs, Saints, Rams. Uh, Saints right now. I think it's the Saints. I think, I think, it's, I think it's pretty easy. I don't know. The, the Chiefs are really close. I think, the, I think the Chiefs are second. I think the Rams are third. I mean, listen, the Rams are... Really good, like like you guys mentioned. Really, really good on paper, talent wise. Just that quarterback aspect, man. I think I'm like just salivating at the fact that I'm going to bet against Golf in the playoffs because he's going to like get in a tough game or get punched in the mouth or have to come from behind or something, and it's, he's just going to absolutely implode. I can just see it coming. Even if they win, I feel like there's going to be a good spot that they're going to be laying some huge number in the divisional round, like seven and a half at home. Against a team with a pulse. Imagine if they like if they match up in the playoffs like against the Seahawks somehow. Like the Seahawks just have their number. For sure. I mean, I, that would be a great spot. Absolutely great spot. Let's keep this train moving. And a couple weeks ago, we started kicking the can around whether or not the Indianapolis Colts can win 
the AFC South. Now, the the road is going to it seems like it's a little tough. Tennessee's playing pretty well, but they've climbed back to 4 and 5. They beat the Jags at home 29-26, but unfortunately they do not cover the 3-point spread. We have to live with a push. We had a chance to win this game, but Adam Vinatieri, who is 90% at home kicking field goals, missed Missed a field goal. It was a 50-yarder, uh, I believe. So not too angry, but he's still he's probably still like, if he's 90% from home, he's probably like 70% from 50-plus. So definitely had the right side, but just couldn't come through. Uh, Mo, I'll let you lead this one off. I, I mean, also, the, the sickest thing, Colts were the only team in the league that had not given up a 40-plus yard pass play entering this game. Dante Moncrief has an 80-yard touchdown. I mean, just this is just a tilting game, Mo. Well, <laughs> what do you got to say? Yeah, this was a moose. Um, first of all, like you said, fluke 80-yard touchdown. Um, and then, don't forget, this could be the biggest moose of the game, though. Remember, uh, what was the score? Um, I think this Colts were up three driving in to like seal it and oh something alley cox yeah luck hit a dude who was completely uncovered in the hands with a pass and he just bats it in the air for a pick i mean how (laughs) trash are you just timestamp that (laughs) please god i have to swear that is i mean you can't find somebody on the practice squad who can catch that pass. Mo Ali Cox. That's an embarrassment. I, I don't know why. Is he a tight end? Yeah. There were. This is the. Well, Eric Ebron is having the game of his life, like the greatest game in the tight end history. And you we, have Jack Doyle, who's the blanket for Andrew Luck, and you're throwing to Ali Cox. Well, yeah, we hate Jack Doyle on this podcast, but please throw the ball to Jack Doyle in that spot and not something Mo Ali Cox. Like, come on. Get this clown off the field. <laughs> Mo Alley Cox. So not only do the Jags get that 80 yarder, I mean, I did this a couple weeks ago and it's, it's, it's not the most fair thing to do, but Colts seven yards per play Jags 5.7 yards per play. And they have that 80 yarder in there. So they, I, it's just <sighs> Jags can't do anything on offense and we pick against them and they put up 26 somehow. Like it, it, Dude, I thought this game was over. Like the way it started, and then all of a sudden, I like looked back at that screen, and I was like, "Why is this like a three point game? What the hell happened?" Colts didn't score a single point in the second half. Put up twenty nine in the first two frames, and then took the second half off on offense. Something Mo Alley Cox just handing it to the other team. Where's Ty? By the way, why aren't we throwing to Ty? Yeah. Yeah, well, he did have 70 yards, but still, he needs to be thrown to more. Anybody but Mo Cox, And I get it. They funneled all their targets to the tight ends, which what you do it against Jacksonville. Jacksonville has good boundary corners, blah, 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 but not Mo Cox. Never something Cox. He doesn't deserve to have the name Mo. Anything else to add here? The Jaguars have one of most specialties next week. They travel back home and they host the Steelers. Mo, this is rule of 
circled the schedule months ago. The Steelers are pissed. Oh, man, they'll be pissed. And the Jags don't give a shit right now, man. Yeah. You got Jalen Ramsey's soul broken and all this. this. This could get ugly. Yeah. Steelers circled. Extra rest. This could be ugly next week in Jacksonville. Speaking of ugly, I mean this game. Washington racial slurs 16. The high-flying, high-powered Tampa Bay Buccaneers that had 500 yards of total offense. Three. What the hell? What was that SVP stat, DP? Teams that have 500 yards of total offense average, what was it, 27 points a game? Mo had that stat. You got to go to him. 37? 37 points per game. When these teams have 500 yards per offense and uh, none had ever only scored three. This is the first, I believe, since the merger. <laughs> I mean, I got some stats for you that Go. I tweeted. Go for I mean, it. All the stats. All the stats. Bucks yards, 501. Redskins yards, 286. I mean, that's almost double. Bucks yards per play, 7.5. Redskins yards per play, 5.2. Bucks first downs. This one's great. 29. Redskins first downs, 15. Doubled them up. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, you would think, you would think, okay, maybe the Bucks are moving the ball. Can't get can't, you know, can't uh, keep the drive moving on third down. Nope. Bucks on third down, 60%. <laughs> Redskins on third down, 38%. Bucks penalties, yeah, they won there too. They had five. Redskins had eight penalties. Bucks red zone trips, five. Redskins, two. I mean, obviously they lost the turnover battle and they missed two field goals, but it's like, I mean, why can't these teams find a damn kicker? Cat and zero. Didn't he kill us last year? Wasn't he the Jets kicker against the Falcons in that uh, bad weather game in New York? Yeah, I feel like he's cost us a few times. <laughs> Cat and zero. This yeah, guy. They, I think they just cut him. They signed Cairo Santos. I did. Yes. Yeah, why didn't Cairo Santos have a job? All that... All, all, the, all that guy did was make kicks for the Chiefs. Next week. Groin injury, maybe? Hidden injury, maybe? That's the only thing that makes sense. All Cairo did was crush until he got hurt last year, and then butt kicker somehow better than Cairo Santos. I don't, know how the, I don't know how the Chiefs do it. The Chiefs have a goat kicker, and then the goat kicker gets hurt, and then they just grab a guy off the street who's just incredible. Buttkicker.com. The one thing I will say and I was reading it this morning, and I just checked Football Outsiders, and they agree, is that uh, Washington's punter, Tress Way, is amazing. Washington's second in DVOA in punting. Tress Way had five punts in this game for 247 yards. He just calmly averaged 49 yards a punt. Four of them went inside the 20. So he forced the Bucks to go 20-20, to 20, but still, they were just marching every time. So he made it harder, but the Bucks had no problem marching between the tunnies. It's oh, just, they went twenty to twenty, all right. <laughs> just walked twenty to they 20. went ten to ten. <laughs> the Bucks gave Chandler Cantonzaro a three-year, ten million dollar contract. Why are we signing kickers for more than one year? Why are you signing kickers for more than one week? <laughs> this Washington team—they were the most fraudulent 
five and three team of all time now. Now they're the most fraudulent six and three team of all time. The most fraudulent five and three team loses their entire offensive line, yeah. can't move the rock to save anyone's life. Adrian Peterson looks like they took his steroids away. Like, and then they just come in here and they're just like, yeah, whatever. 16 to three, fine. Oh, man. Something Maurice Harris. 10 points PPR. This, I, yeah. Two mooses in one week. We're just, we're sliding, but we should be sliding a lot slower than we are. The final game. Well, the whole contest got crushed this week. Just, yeah, FYI. I was, was, was going to three points. Yeah, we can talk about that yeah, later. But yeah, circle back to that. Last game, the most surprising game for me Eagles minus six and a half was on the card. They lose by a touchdown. Dallas comes in, scores 27. The Eagles can only muster 20. Carson Wentz, not good, Mo. Not a good football player. Really kills us with that Vander Esch interception. Just misses him completely while they're driving early in the game. And I hate to say it, but Dak looked okay. And mainly because they actually targeted people down the field. Uh, Dak's yards per attempt were 7.5. feel like that's the highest all season. Amari catches six of those for 75 yards. They're kind of force-feeding Amari, 10 targets, but I kind of like that. It just gives them an extra dimension. And then Zeke just does Zeke things. Uh, Eight yards per carry, scores the touchdown, absolutely bruises the Eagles on some of those runs. Uh, But the real story here is the Eagles. And I don't think their defense played that bad, but then their entire secondary died. Ronald Darby, chief among them, uh, looks like he's going to be out for quite some time. Uh, I, I believe in his season ending, uh, the injury he sustained. Yeah, ACL, out for the season. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, on the front, we thought that Lane Johnson might be back, right tackle, but he was not. And Vitae is a massive liability for that front line. I don't have the numbers to back it up, but it seems like every opportunity they had to run outside, they kept running this stretch play out of shotgun with Josh Adams, and it was always direct left. But the issue there is, I know they're running away from Vitae because he's not amazing, but man, I I, I don't want to say it, and I, I, I tweeted this during the game, but Jason Peters, man, that guy seems like he's washed. He's lumbering. Anytime they demand him to block outside and get out into the flat, he is slow. He has no power driving behind him when he's when he's blocking. So if the Eagles can't protect up front, I mean, it's rule one in the NFL. If you can't block, you can't move the rock. Mo, this was your pick. What you got on this game? Yeah, I really needed Lane Johnson to be in there, first of all. And then second of all, yeah, what happened to Jason Peters, man? When you have, I, I guess uh, we're just under, like not factoring in enough. To, when you go from two elite tackles to two awful tackles, or at least one awful tackle and one not good tackle, whatever we can call Jason Peters at this point, Um, I guess, because I'm just looking at this roster and I'm looking at these names and I'm seeing these names who all were on this team last year and absolutely crushed. And I just, I keep thinking the Eagles are still a good team. And I guess I just have to accept that they're not. This is just, <clears throat> this is just me 
and I guess everyone else, since the market completely agreed with me that this line was idiotic, me and everyone else just not correctly assessing this roster and just a big part of it I do feel is up front. I mean, they were destroying people up front on both sides of the ball last year. And then this year, I mean, the pass rush has been like fine in a lot of spots. The O-line's awful. And the secondary has just sucked. So I guess the Eagles just aren't good. And my minus 150 to win the NFC East was awful. Yeah, Rajul Douglas is now their top corner. And he was second in the team in tackles, which is never good. You never want your corner to be up there in tackles because that means he's getting targeted and the other team is catching the ball. DP on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys. Are they okay? I mean, we watched them get blasted by the Titans, and we thought that was an indictment on them, but then the Titans blasted your New England Patriots, so maybe Marcus Mariota is healthy and the Titans are rounding into form, but the Dallas Cowboys, was this more... Are they? Are, let me just... Are they okay? Are the Dallas Cowboys not as bad as we thought? No, they're bad. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't kid yourself, man. They're They're bad. This is on the Eagles. I mean, I don't know if you want to call the Eagles thing like a Super Bowl hangover or what, or specific to Jason Peters. I think, you know, he's just 36. Some injuries are catching up to him. You know, he, he, but he had the, the torn Achilles a couple of years ago. He had the knee thing last year. I mean, I think the older you get, obviously, the harder it is to, to recover and just be that same player when everyone else around you is getting younger. I mean, I, I do think that the, the Dallas, the Dallas uh, front seven, I think is pretty good. You know, that, that, the defensive line can get after it. I mean, they're not, they don't seem like the most highly touted skillful guys, but they're just, they seem like workhorses. They, they do seem a little bit like the Eagles did last year where they're just relentless, just constantly getting after the quarterback. And that works. And then uh, obviously their, their linebackers with Van Der Esch uh, stepping in there is, I mean, he's, he's a good player. So I just, I don't, I think this, this Cowboys team is average, average at best. I think that that's what we always thought uh, they were. I mean, we'll always overemphasize something and say that they suck. But, I mean, listen, this is going to hold them over for a while. It's probably going to save Jason Garrett's job for the year just because it's a primetime win against a division opponent, the team that just won the Super Bowl. You know, you went into Philadelphia, which is a pretty tough place to play. You won by a touchdown. You look decent. Amari Cooper looks like he's getting better in the offense. Zeke looked like he's Zeke. But, I mean, ultimately, this team is just going to fall on its face. Mo, I wouldn't worry too much about your Eagles to win the NFC East. I mean, the Redskins, they, they look like as big of a fraud as anyone, as we talked about earlier, at 6-3 and three up top. So the Eagles could certainly uh, oh, make a run. I'd be title. worried. Eagles still have at Saints, which is this week, and at Rams on the schedule. I don't think the Eagles, I don't think the Eagles get to 8-8. Eight and eight. The only reason I say that, I wouldn't be worried if I was Mo is because of the teams that are ahead of him. And that's the what if eight and eight is good enough. That's that, what I mean. What? Like, I feel like the, the other teams are just so bad that Mo shouldn't write this off yet. No, I said, I don't think they get to eight and eight. I think this is a seven and nine team. And I think eight and eight might be good enough. I think Dallas is going to win this division as insane as that sounds. God, we've fired all against them in the fucking playoffs. Cause it's not like Washington's very good. Washington has a plus one point differential and they're six and three. That is as <laughs> fraudulent as it gets. Did you guys hear the other stat about Washington? There hasn't been a one lead one change. One lead change this entire in season. Games? What is that? They were the just whoever's first team to score wins. Like, let's just go home after someone kicks that first field goal. The, mo- the most tilting play in this game, I- and we weren't in line to cover it all, but. At, at least if we got to overtime, we had some semblance of a sweat. 
was that Van Der Esch tackle uh, on third down. I believe it was third down, late in the fourth quarter, when he shed two two tacklers, uh, two two blockers, and yeah, it was a great play by Van Der Esch. But come on, guys, both Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey are out there. Somebody put a hat on him. Somebody blocked this guy. It was so tilting to watch. But yeah, I think, I think the Eagles need. I mean, it's weird because running backs don't matter, but I, I want to say like their coaching staff needs a running back. Well, they came out on they came out on Monday and said that they need to give Josh Adams the rock more. Which I mean, they only had sixteen carries in this game, and seven of them were for Adams, and he had almost seven yards per carry. So that that might help a little bit. But the the problem is, is that if you can't block, you can't run. You know, like if their tackles are just getting imploded on it doesn't matter how many times you run just because you do it more doesn't mean you're gonna have more success why do they need to run the ball they have zach Ertz, alshon jeffrey they now have golden tate and nelson aguilar can just run around in the middle in the slot why do they need to run the ball balance fam screw balance just just drop back in the shotgun and go nuts <laughs> is Wentz good enough to do that i don't know how ba- how how puke was that interception mo how puke it wasn't good. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the system obviously propped him up. That's a given. That's what I was going to say earlier last year um, <clears throat> when you were talking about uh, when you were talking about how the Eagles had won the Super Bowl and you you wonder how we're going to look back on that. I think they got a lot of mileage out of just like being ahead of the curve um, decision-making-wise and offense-wise. And there's definitely more and more teams like the chiefs are just running that offense. And they were really, they were running it last year too. Excuse me. But like, I think pretty much every team is using at least a few concepts from that offense. And like, when you get a lot of mileage out of something like that, where you're ahead of the curve, um, you got to stay ahead of the curve or you're going to lose that edge. And I think they've lost a lot of that edge. One one other small note from this game. The Eagles really couldn't get Golden Tate going because when they were trailing and they were in the two-minute drive, I mean, Tate just doesn't know the language of the offense yet. So when, when Wentz is making calls at the line, he just doesn't know what's happening. So that if you were like, wait, why isn't 19 on the field? They just traded for him. That's the reason why. When you're in the huddle and Carson calls a play and he can kind of turn to Golden Tate – and say, by the way, you're doing X, Y, and Z, that's one thing. But when you're in the hurry-up, you're getting the offense set, you're telling the line what the protections are, you don't really have time to run out into the slot and tell Golden Tate what to do as well. So that's why you didn't see a lot of 19 on the field there. Uh, which hopefully they'll be able to... I mean, he just just should be buried in the playbook. Because they got... The, the, problem is, the problem is line play isn't something you can fix during the season. No, no, it's not. It really isn't. That's that's one of those. The, the offensive line is the most difficult thing to quantify. It, it's almost like how the NBA has really tried these past couple of years to measure lineup efficiency. You know, how does this team perform when this set of five players is on the field? That That's probably the best way that you could probably try to approach it and quantify it. But the problem is there's so much rotation due to injury in the NFL that it's kind of hard to assign values. And then from there, what values do you assign? Because 
these guys are all doing something different sometimes. Sometimes they're in tandem, so it's just really hard. And and the best lines are the most cohesive and the ones that play the longest together. And once you start plugging and playing, it really is hard to massage some of your, your, your issues and get better because the only way to become good is play for a long time with one another and know what each other is doing at the alt at, at the same time. Unless you have Dante Scarnecchia, right, Donnie? <laughs> yeah, Dante Scarnecchia. That's right. Unless you got Dante Scarnecchia. Because there's so much wild shit that, like when, when a team runs a stunt, like who hands off what pass rusher to who? There's these so many split-second decisions that only the only way that you can create that kind of chemistry is playing next to each other for an extended period of time. Uh, the injury, Injuries are just a huge thing too. And it, not, not injuries like where the backups go in, but injuries like we don't know what these guys are dealing with. If a guy has a bum leg and he just can't like, you know, get upright and block and it's just so much stuff you don't see. Yeah. Right. Like what, what player is getting injected? Like Jason Peters is a good example. I mean, he had the knee injury last year. What if his knee's just not the same? And he can't like power through to block people from now on. Right. What if he, he's just, around him he's just getting toradol injected to his eyeballs every game and he's doing his best but yeah he could just be really hurt that's that's definitely you know and there's a non-zero chance that that's happening uh the contest dp alluded to it not a great week for the comp contest the average team 2.3 points so we were we were not alone in our struggles only 16 people had a perfect five and a week 16 that's half a percentage point. Personal Gourmet remains the leader only with a 2-2-1 two, two and one record this week. They're still picking at a 77.6% rate, 38-11-1. And, and DP, you made a note that somebody is a top, not a top, but in the top three in both the Super Contest and Super Contest Gold. Is that correct? As I mean, unless this name is just a total coincidence. So in the super contest, you have party with a noodler party with the noodler one is in a tie for third place. So one, two, three, four, a five way tie for third place at 35.5 points. So he's still three points off the lead. But good thing about the super contest is that it's top 100 cash and it's not just winner take all over in the super contest. Gold party with the noodler two is in third place all by himself there. That that contest is a winner-take-all. Um, and in that, that one, he's only one point off uh, first place. So I'm assuming that this is the same person because it's pretty hard to come up with that sort of name and, uh, and enter them in two contests. And if that's the case, um, a really amazing run. I was looking at some of his, his, uh, his picks. It's not always just the same five picks. Um, obviously, in the, 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 the points that he has uh, tells that alone where he's got 35 in the super contest and he's got 32.5 in the super contest gold. So he does mix it up. A lot of the times it's three or four of the same selections and then he'll go with, you know, one pick in one contest, one pick in another one and mix it up that way. But yeah, overall this guy is in line to win a boatload of money. If he's able to come on top of both these contests, that would just be truly epic. I noted a couple weeks ago that Mo, if he was alone in super contest gold, he'd be the leader. He has slipped, but he'd still be tied for 10th. With 30 and a half points, Mo is 29, 18, and 3 on the season, picking at a 61% clip. Looking at the Super Contest standings, uh, Jazz is a player we've seen at the top for a lot of the season. 3-2 and two last week. He is currently tied for third as well. 
in that five-way tie. And then Capital Gains, another one that we've seen near the top for the entire season, 2-2-1 two, two, last week, tied for eighth on the season, four-way tie for eighth. Any other super contest guys that pop out to you, DP? Anything that you're following? Um, no, but I can quickly check on. So Brent Musburger is someone I've just been kind of tracking. Uncle throughout. Brent. Uncle Brent. He's playing as VSIN one is his, uh, his, uh, contestant entry. Uh, he's, uh, he went three, one and one last week, 31, 18 and one overall. That's, uh, just over 63%, uh, tied for 121st, 121st place. That's the first, uh, the first tier that's right outside the money, uh, just with all the ties and everything. So, uh, Brent got off to a, a really good start early on. Um, he was one of the teams that opened up the year as as five and zero. Um, he was riding around the top one hundred for a bunch of it. Now he's he he had some some two and three and three and two weeks mixed in there. But uh, week eight went four and one. Last week three and two or sorry two weeks ago three and two, and then last week three one and one. So he's sitting at a tie for one hundred twenty first place. So I think it's just. It's cool to see somebody who's, you know, as popular and as big of a celebrity in this thing, at least that we know of. You know, a lot of these people play with aliases that we just have no idea who they are. Uh, Bill Simmons was a big one that's played in several years past, but I don't think he's playing this year. Uh, just to be able to to get someone like a Brent Musburger who hopefully can make a run out of this. And, you know, if he's going to give some love through his outlet VSIN and just put some more eyeballs on the super contest, I think it's just a really good thing for, for, uh, you know, us being in the contest, you know, the whole brand sports betting, all that sort of stuff. couple stats from us consensus picks, another losing week, two and three against the, the spread. That's four consecutive losing weeks for consensus picks at a record of eight and 15, on the other side of the ball, Lone Wolves, where one host is on a side by themselves. Another winning week at 4-2-1. and one. And over the last five weeks, our Lone Wolf selections are 16-7-2. So when a player is by themselves, they are crushing. The one crushing the most over that span is Mo, a perfect 5-0 Mo. You're the one adapting better than us, especially with some of these traditionally donk sides and last week the most confusing one was the bills i i don't i guess you were right after telling us we can never pick the bills ever again you picked them and you were right i don't understand you guys gotta start listening to me and i gotta start listening to myself i let you guys talk me into firing a Bengals bet uh this weekend and uh that 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 went poorly for me um <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm just trying to you know keep up like i was saying about <clears throat> the Eagles losing their edge, you know, you got to kind of try to think ahead of the curve and realize when things are changing. And uh, that's definitely the key here too. Yeah. I am not shocked by that spread this week. Eagles at saints minus seven, not surprised by that at all. I'm going to see how the public's weighing in real quick before we, that's only seven. I feel like that should be more. 60, Honestly, 60, I haven't looked yet, but sixty-nine nice percent is on the Saints. You think? I think seven is perfect. Well, I'm not letting Brett put that on the card. Well, I guess I can't <laughs> stop him now. <laughs> All right, want to send some love to SharpSide.com. Whether you're an Android user or an iOS user, go ahead and download the SharpSide app. You can track. All your bets, check the leaderboard, and you can leave some advice if you feel like you have a beat on the game. Also, check out the website, sharpside.com. They've got articles 
for all the sports in the swing of things. So much going on now with college basketball starting up, NBA, NHL. So go ahead and check that out. Follow these guys on Twitter at Donnie underscore Peters and at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. If you don't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. We are now also available on Spotify. So if you prefer to listen to us via that platform, go ahead and do so. Uh, We'll be back Friday to give you our Super Contest card for Week 11 of the NFL season. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk then. Peace.